beautiful. Thank you. Anyways, I am Krista Clark. I'm Pastor Brennan's wife, and we are thrilled that y'all are all here with us on this, I call it Christmas Sunday, because it's the week of Christmas. You know, if I celebrate my birthday for a month, then I have to celebrate Christmas for more than a day. I mean, come on. So, I need some presents. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. very many announcements, so I'll cover these right quick. So um, you can get your uh, blog books that we all wrote together um, out there on the f- in uh, the Connection Center. They're $15 still on that first batch. We got a good deal on those. Um, it's a great time to be able to get that and follow through with us. We're going to start our Bible reading that we read through the Bible in a year over on January 1. Uh, some of you have never read the Bible all the way through. This is a great thing to do as we read through it together every day. If you check our website or our Facebook page, there will be somebody has written something that has to do with that day's reading. So it kind of is interactive. Um, if you're like the whole Bible thing freaks me out. Well, just read the New Testament part. If you'll start in January and you just read the New Testament part, well, then over the course of the year, you'll read the entire New Testament. And so maybe you're not ready to bite the whole Bible off. Maybe you feel like that's too big of a commitment. And honestly, it takes an average reader about 20 minutes of reading a day to be able to read through the Bible an entire year. Um, About seven for those that want to do the New Testament. So I really encourage you to be able to do that and be a part of that. We've done this every year since we're Celebration Church, and it's a big deal. Also, we're going to start a new year of School of Ministry next year. Uh, January 24th will be the kickoff. Our classes are filling up. We've got a lot of people who are being excited about being a part of that. So um, see Kim at the info table on the way out. And that was the, our announcements for today. 
and I am not as awesome as our announcement people, but we got it done. So we are glad that you are with us, and Merry Christmas! Yeah, so we're all cozy in here together. We appreciate all the T9 folks who are usually hanging out on the other side of that wall. Everybody's in here. And uh, we've got uh, a lot of the Star Wars action happening this weekend, so it'll actually kick off at some point on the other side of that wall. Um, so, and uh, um, I saw the movie, I enjoyed it. Uh, my wife, Boo, hates it. So, um, you know, if you're an anti-Star Wars, you're on the cutie side. And Heathen! And, uh, if you enjoy a quality movie with great action and plot and uh, Oscar-worthy, then uh, <laughs> you're with me in the Star Wars plan. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So um, this is the part of the service for those that came prepared to give that we, we do that this morning. And uh, there's no pressure ever. Um, the <coughs> spirit of generosity should be the place that, that every believer operates in. But guess what? God wants every believer, every Christ follower, to follow him in this path of generosity. So many times we can think that this financial generosity is held for a couple of people. You know, a handful of people who've got super deep pockets or something. And it's just not the case that every believer is able to be a part and do something in this area of generosity that God so loved that he gave. We are celebrating that all this season long. And so that we're made in his image, we should be givers like him. And we always look at a chunk of scripture. And sometimes I think we need to do some, some reflection and understand what the heart behind giving is. Yes, does it help support the vision and ministry of Celebration Church? Yes, does it help push the gospel around worldwide? Your giving here does that because we give straight off the top and, and have given tens of thousands, I mean tons of money over the course of the year towards uh, missions. So we've given like almost $200,000 as a congregation to missions, yes. And uh, so we're very excited about that. We've seen the, seen the gospel be pushed forward uh, together that way. And um, so we're, we're excited about those things. But we need to understand that our hearts need to be engaged in a certain place. And Paul really brings this out in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, if I give all I possess. I want to pause right there because sometimes this season of the year we feel like we're there. Um, at Christmas, I've given everything I possess and something that Visa and Discover Card possess and um, things that I'm going to possess one day and have to pass it on to somebody else. I've done it all. I've given. Then if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain. This kind of extreme giving, this kind of giving to this place where it's laid it all out on the line, but if it's not about love, what is for you? Did it benefit the person who got it? Absolutely. But for you, it was pointless. Like, how does giving benefit you? Whenever it's an act of love, you can't get love. You can't sow love. You can't put out love without it benefiting you. That's the beautiful thing of loving is you're some, somehow you're bringing, you're bringing love back into your own life by being willing to release it. 
by being willing to, to give it. So this season and this morning, especially, let's be conscious of this. Let's let every ounce of generosity be motivated 100% by simply loving God and loving others as we give from a heart of gratitude and generosity this morning. Those who have the, the baskets can go ahead and pass those. If you have prayer requests, this is a great time to slip that in. If you're a guest this morning, we want you to hang on to your, uh, hang on to your um, info card, and we want to give you a gift on the way out. Um, well, we've been clicking along. We've been in a series. We've simply called The Way in a Manger. And uh, for those of you who aren't following with us, you're like, Brandon, you messed it up. It's called Away in a Manger. And um, I know, I know, but I, I love bad jokes. And so um, we got the way in a manger because Jesus <coughs> told us in John <coughs> 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And that this time of year, every Christmas, we kind of dial back in, and we remember what this is all about. It's amazing how life can become about things that it was never meant to be about. All of a sudden, even our relationship with God can become about things it was never meant to be about. We're going to start our Bible reading soon, and I really encourage you to read through the Bible. This is God's promises and his word that's, that's locked up for you. It's not locked up for pastors to have something to talk about. It's locked up for every believer, and it's there and revealed to us as we, as we allow the Holy Spirit to, to connect with us as we are reading that. But as soon as we turn that moment where we open our Bible app or we crack, crack open our paper Bible and we turn that into a religious checklist, we've taken the life out of it. We've turned it into something it should have never, ever been. You know, I don't check my wife's text messages because I think, well, my husbandly role, my husbandly duty is to read her texts. So I'm sitting here, and I'm going to read the, the text that she sends me, and so I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to do this, and I'm even going to memorize them. I memorize everything she ever wrote to me. But I never engage with her. It's never because simply I want to know what she has to say to me. Simply because I want to be able to respond and connect with her. Nope, that I simply, she goes, did you read my text? Yep, I read them. What, did you pick up the kids? Did you do that? No, no, but I read your text. I read every one of them today. I read them. I can even tell you what they said. It's all covered here. But I didn't engage with her on a heart level. It was completely pointless. And Christmas is this time where sometimes through the year, our relationship with God can begin to become about something else. It can begin to come about the things we think we're supposed to do as Christ followers, as Christians. It can begin to honestly become about us using God to try to make our own lives better. Does a relationship with God make your life better? Absolutely. Without a doubt, it does. But all of a sudden, we can turn it into something that we, we add it to our list of we have our vitamins, we have our healthy food, and we have our time with God. Why? Because that produces a good life. And in turns, we've turned it about ourselves instead of about him. And Christmas should, for you and I, 
you and I who are Christ followers should be this in big, huge reset button that we shift everything back and we go, thank you, Lord. This is what this is about. Without that manger, without that moment, without that first Christmas, I was completely stuck and I was completely away from you. And I had no hope. My best days fall so short. My best efforts get me nowhere. And you saw me in that moment, and you saw me in my worst moment. And you loved me so much that you sent your son to come and to make me right with you. To make a way where there was no way. We've got a video that hopefully will work. Had some <laughs> ickiness this morning. That brings about a handful of perspectives of different people who viewed that child that laid in that manger on that first Christmas and what that baby meant to them. For me, it was living proof that God keeps his promises. I had waited a lifetime for the hope of the world to arrive. And just when it seemed that the prophecy would die along with me, I heard the cry of salvation coming from, from an obscure little town. The only thing more powerful than expectant hope is fulfilled hope. It gave me permission to die in peace, but more importantly, it gave people everywhere the possibility to live with peace. He was a constant reminder that God does not make mistakes. I didn't believe that at first. Everything started out so wrong. People told me I was a fool, blind to the truth, too trusting for my own good, but deep down in my soul, I knew something special was happening. Something bigger than my fears. Something better than my plans. Someone greater than my doubts. He was a threat to my throne. My kingdom had been built by my own hands. And now it was a claim that a child had been born who would be known as the King of Kings? Not if I had anything to say about it. So I went after him. There was no way I would bend my knee to another, a child at that. If he wanted my throne, he would have to do what I did. He would have to take it. He served as the pathway to wisdom and knowledge. Some have called us wise men. Nothing could be farther from the truth. The king used us like puppets to carry out his devious plans. Yet in the midst of our blindness, God gave us a beacon of light, a heavenly compass that pointed us towards an incomparable gift containing the depths of God's riches. To think that we brought him gifts seems so laughable now. He was a gift to us. 
He was the reassurance that God could still use anyone. As an innkeeper, I had welcomed many weary travelers before, but none as tired as that young couple. With no room to offer, I was ready to send them on their way when I noticed the woman was close to giving birth. I offered them the only place I had, a manger. It seemed like such a trivial act at the time, but I soon realized that I had played a part in something much bigger than myself. God had chosen me, too. He was the answer to every question I had ever asked. Why me? How could this happen, you know? What will people think? My journey began with confusion and, and fear. But slowly, with each passing day, I, I came to see the beauty and the blessing of God's presence as my son grew inside of me. It was a strange mixture of human limits and divine love, culminating in that one moment when I saw his face for the first time. sheep for a living, any distractions are welcome. But that night was more than we could have ever hoped for. The silence gave way to the sacred. The simple gave way to the supernatural. The bleeding of sheep gave way to the crying of a child. For a world in need of joy. For the earth in search of peace. such good news that we could not help but spread the word. Today we celebrate, today we look at this concept that Jesus is the way home. And if we have any connection with Christmas as believers, if we have any connection with, with <clears throat> that Christ child in the manger, it ought to be that we recognize this place where God has called us home, where he has called us to himself where he has sent his son out to bring us to himself. Anybody who was raised with siblings knows this concept. You're out playing outside, you're out down the block, and here comes little sister, that's what it was for me. Hey, 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 mom wants you home, dad wants you home. And in that moment, you knew that wasn't little sister talking. That was mama talking. That was dad talking. That was this place where it transcended this moment between two kids. And there was something bigger that took place. And there was a response that needed 
to be <clears throat> to be acted out. Any of us have, have had that kind of connection understand this. And when we look at Christmas, we ought to automatically see that God has called us home. It all remind us what home really is. That it's not about this place, the four walls that we lay our head at night. It's that we're called to something grander and bigger. That yes, we're citizens here and, and should be engaged on that. But on a more grand scale, we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That God was in Christ bringing us to himself. And that Christ child was, was placed in that manger with a full-on mission. You know, I've had the opportunity to hold seven beautiful little kids. And as I sit there and I get to, to hold a child for the very first time, one of my children, lots of different things go through my mind. But to sit there and to say that the first thing on my mind is that this kid has a job to do, that's not it. I'm just holding them, loving them, being in awe that they're mine. Checking out all their fingers and toes and just, just enjoying the moment. But as Mary and Joseph had that moment, that child that they held was full of mission and full of purpose. And in the sweetness of all of that, we have to recognize that. We have to be mission conscious. You know, that's one of the things we work real hard to do at <coughs> Celebration Church. We work real hard to stay mission focused. Because, you know, the concepts of what a church should be, they're all over the place. And we try to be everything to all people and we'll end up being nothing of what we're called to be. So you spend any time with us in our newcomers class, which we'll have a new, another one in the spring, then you'll understand that we'll drill down into what our core mission is. If you've been here any length of time, you know that we stay on point, that our core mission is to help people to know God better and to trust him more. That's what we're about. That's what we do. And that shows up in five core areas. That one of the first things we're to do is we're to help uh, the next generation, we're to help kids learn to know God better and trust him more. That's why we've spent just as much money on the theater on the other side of that wall as we've spent on rent in this theater. It costs the exact same. There's a lot more empty seats over there because not all of us bring kajillion kids like the Clarks do. But uh, um, the... Uh, those kids that are on the other side of that wall, those 50-plus people that are on the other side of that wall are our first line of mission. They're our first line of us. Every time when we do anything, we think, how does this impact our kids? How does this going <clears> to <throat> connect with that? We understand that. The next piece, the next piece are our students, our young adults, our youth, and <clears throat> our young adults in college age, we understand that if we don't help them make that next step in life, if we can't disciple the young people that are right under our own noses, to think that we're going to disciple anybody else is a joke. We can puff ourselves up and, 
act and, and give ourselves a big hurrah and, and think we're going to accomplish something. But if we can't love on and, and coach and point the generation that's right here under our noses to Christ, then we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. We, we can't do it if we can't do it there. The next piece is our small groups. We stay focused on our small groups. A bunch of y'all just completed a great time in small groups together. We're going to have a whole nother kickoff in <clears throat> right after the first of the year, and I encourage you to get in small groups. And we, we encourage that. Why? Because of the, the, the life-giving relationships that get cultivated. You're able to be in each other's lives and lock arms and pray with each other and, and discuss the different things that are going on in your life like we can't do here. You know, so many times people say, oh, man, I'm so excited for y'all to be able to get into your new building. And then you can have Wednesday night services and Sunday school and do all of these different things. And I'm like, Our, we're doing what we're called to do. We haven't been limited. We haven't built our vision around what Tinseltown offers us. We're at Tinseltown because it can fit inside our vision. We haven't built our vision because of how we can work in a movie theater. It's, we, haven't, we haven't got this, the, the tail wagging the dog thing. We, we really are going the direction God's called us to do. So guess what? When we get our own building, the church service length is going to be about what we've got now. We're going to be able to continue to do. And as we move, will we maybe begin to add some more stuff? possibly as the spirit leads but initially we're going to offer what we offer now why because it's mission critical it's what we do our weekend services are weekend services and they're part of our mission you're like how what is that every church has weekend services why is that part of your mission well we're very conscious of what sunday morning is about because guess what some of you may bring some friends and family that are kind of clueless about this whole following god thing um, kind of clueless about this whole thing about whether or not Jesus is actually legit. And we understand that. So we are very purposeful to be able to make sure that we create an environment that's able to meet somebody and they're able to be right here and just entertaining the concept of who Jesus is and be engaged with those of us who, who, who've grabbed a hold of who Jesus is and are running full bore. So we're very purposeful in that. Very purposeful in that. And then our last piece, our mission. And we're very purposeful in that and making sure that it doesn't stop here, that we're not a dead end. And we have to be mission central. We have to be mission focused. And we can't ever get off of that. And when Jesus is laying in that manger, he came and he was mission focused. And he never got off of it. How many times have you gone to the store and went to the store, did your thing at the store, got home, and you have everything but the one thing you went to the store for. <laughs> and then you got to get back in. I had, we had almost that moment yesterday as we went to Walmart, doing all the Christmas wrapping thing. We have a family as big as ours. There's lots of wrapping to do. And we ran out of boxes. So we go to Walmart to buy just <coughs> two packs of boxes. $2.95 a piece, $6 and some change of boxes. We go into Walmart, we spend an hour and a half in Walmart. I go to check out 200 bucks, and I was like, I thought I just came here for boxes. Somehow the mission expanded, but praise God, we walked out with boxes. 
Otherwise, we'd have had to go. We'd have had to go back. But if you don't stay mission <coughs> mission focused, you can begin to get off. And Jesus never stepped off of his mission. Why he was here? See, at his birth, the angels made it clear that Jesus had a mission. We see in Luke two, verse ten, it says, "But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people today.'" In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and laying in a manger. A baby who is the Savior. Like, that's, a, that's a pretty heavy title to put on an infant. It's a lot of expectation to put on an infant. We don't even know what he can do yet. We haven't seen him perform anything. We haven't seen him do any miracles. We haven't seen him, he haven't, hadn't spoken. We haven't seen him say anything profound or, 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 or stand up to the religious crowd or not be willing to be bullied by the Roman army. We haven't seen anything. He's just a baby laying in a manger. He's full of mission who was given on purpose. See, as Mary began to love on him and embrace her role, she began to have some mission drift. She began to forget. Jesus didn't forget. And we don't have a whole lot of Jesus' childhood. We have his birth, and then we have another moment that happened late at the end of Luke 2 that we already read towards the beginning of. And... He is about 11 or 12 years old, somewhere in that range. And they've gone on a little pilgrimage to go and celebrate the feast. And here they've come back. And as a boy, Jesus made it clear that he had a mission. Jesus is hanging out in the temple. He's doing his, he's doing his thing. He's talking big stuff, big concepts with all the teachers and the scribes. That was a big deal to be uh, a preacher. In our culture, in, in the, the U.S., it's not that big of a deal anymore. At one point, it was one of the most esteemed professions in the U.S. It's, it's not as big of a deal anymore. In the Bible Belt, it is a little bit, but in general, it's not. But in the Jewish culture, to, be, to, to have your livelihood and your, your daily life take place and discussion the things of God and in the temple, that was like the, the top of, the, of even the social pyramid, not even the, just the religious, of everything. And Jesus finds himself as a boy hanging out with all of these uppity-up, smart people, scribes, <coughs> Pharisees, talking about the things of his father. And he's going along, and there's a big group of them, Mary and Joseph. It's time for them to pack up and go home. And Mary thinks Joseph knows where he is, and Joseph thinks Mary knows where he is. And they load up, and they leave, and they think Jesus is playing with the other boys, which means he had a fairly normal childhood at some times. You know, They didn't say, hey, we need to go check and see if he's proven the scribes and Pharisees wrong. Again. We know where Jesus is. He's probably reading the Torah. He's probably over there. Go get him. Pull him away from all of it. They think he's just in the group. They think he's playing. 
And so they get to camp and they go to look for him, traveled an entire day, go to look for him, can't find him. Horrible moment as a parent. And now Mary and Joseph are freaking out because they just lost God. <laughs> They've been given a role to care and nurture and take care of God, and now they lost him. Where, oh where, has God gone? So now they have to go back to Jerusalem and find God. And so they go back to find their son, Jesus, and they look everywhere, and they look for a whole day, and this is what perplexes me about this story, is he's been in the temple the whole time, and they look in the whole place for him for a day. It's kind of funny to me that they didn't go there first. Where else are they looking for him? Where else are they going? And finally they go, and maybe they heard the stories and the clamor, maybe his fame began to get out a little bit, and they find him in the temple, and he's just sitting there talking, questioning, just there with the big dogs, blowing their minds with the things he understands about the Bible, about God about all the whole system of sacrifice and all of that, all of this that is pointed to him anyways, he's blowing their minds. And they come up, and Mary is mom with him. And she gets on to him, lets him know, you freaked us out. And Jesus never lost sight. And he says to his mom, and he says to Joseph, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? It should not been a hunt for me. You should have just been, whoop, to the temple. That's where he'll be. If we can't find him, if he's not with us, whoop, that's where he'll be. Why did you do all of this? Didn't you know I would be about the core mission? The angel sang of it. Jesus, as a child, understood it. When he begins to teach, all the religious people think what his mission should be, and they're freaked out when it starts to feel like it's gone off the rails. And we pick up with him again. And Jesus is dining in the house of a man named Zacchaeus, who's this treacherous man in the eyes of his fellow <coughs> Israelites. He's a Jew who has his employ of the Roman government, this oppressive government, to bring get taxes from his fellow Israelites and give them to Rome. He was just despised. Just the lowest of the low. I mean, he was just, and Jesus is eating in this man's house. It's not that they accidentally got set together at the table at Outback. It's Jesus went to his house, invited himself over there. He wasn't just a nice guy and got invited and go, well, you know, I'm Jesus. I kind of better say yes. He says, I'm going to go to your house, Zacchaeus. Ends up at Zacchaeus' house and everybody's like freaking out. They're all talking, freaking out about him being over there. And while he's over there, with Zacchaeus, the sinner, he openly defines his mission. And in, in Luke 19.10, he tells everybody who would listen that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So where's, where are you going to find him? Where the people are away from God. 
Everybody agreed Zacchaeus was not on page with God. And yet here, God inserted himself into Zacchaeus' page and met him right where he was. He didn't leave him there, but he met him right there and began to take him out. And he says, this is why I've come to seek and save the lost. Folks, you and I, we have to remember that was Jesus' mission. And we're his followers. Guess where we're going to find ourselves? I guarantee all the disciples were squirming. They did the little weird stand, awkward deal in the corner of Zacchaeus' house. I can't believe Jesus brought us to Zacchaeus' house. I hope nobody posts on Twitter they see me at Zacchaeus' house. Please, no Facebook posts. I see Peter at Zacchaeus' house. There's the pig. Oh, there he is. They're just hoping, hoping it doesn't happen. But they followed Jesus. So guess where they were? Zacchaeus' house. Watching Jesus blow everybody's minds by seeking and saving that which is lost. And then in Luke 19.10. Oh, we already covered that one. And then as Jesus once again addressed the religious leaders who were so mad at him for spending time with sinful people. They were mad. They were angry. That people who needed God the most, God, God, God paid attention to them. That he cared. We see here in Luke 15, 1 and 2, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. Now this is Jesus there, and they've come to him. At Zacchaeus' house, he went there. But here, they've all come to him. And apparently, what they wanted him to do is to stand up and run away screaming from these sinful people. Because they've gathered around and says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. He welcomes them. And before we get to looking down our nose at these Pharisees and these super religious people. Folks, you and I can slip into this so easily. We can slip into this so easily. We can begin to look and, and have our, our worldview shaped in such a way that if we don't see our God reaching out to those we think are furthest from him, we have the wrong picture of our God. So many times we can look at that manger and simply embrace the amazing gift that he is to us, and we should do that. But if we don't see in our mind's eye those that we think are the furthest away from him, embracing him and seeing him as their gift too. Folks, we've got the wrong picture. We've got the wrong picture. I don't know who you think is the furthest away. I don't know who you think is. You do. But as this begins to play out, you need to begin to recognize that he is their gift to you.
Jesus then in this moment in Luke 15, as all these people are murmuring about him, he tells three stories. He tells a story about a, somebody that loses a sheep, one of a hundred, goes after him, rejoices when that sheep is back. Then the lady that loses a coin, one of ten, sweeps everything, finds it, rejoices. Then a third story about a man that had two sons. If you've been around church very long, you know that story. We call it the story of the prodigal son. And that son comes home, and the other son gets upset and doesn't celebrate with the father. And here's the response in Luke 15, 32. It says, but we had to celebrate and be glad. We had to. We had to. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Through the manger held the baby who was born to die that we might live. John 3, 16, we've already talked about it once today. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And then <clears throat> 1 John 4, <clears throat> 9 says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This moment should remind us. Man, I did not have a way, and God loved me and made a way. It should dial us in and bring us back to a place where we can love those we have the hardest time loving. And now we bring this back to mission. We bring this back to what this should be a reset button for us about. Jesus stayed on mission. He never got off of it. He talked about it. The angels sang about it. Everything pointed to it. Jesus fulfilled it. He went to the cross. He did it. He made the way where there was no way. And now you and I are here all of these thousands of years and thousands of miles later on the other side of the planet with a recognition of what Christ has done for us. And these shepherds showed us what it means to love others with the knowledge that Jesus is the way. And folks, we simply tell what we know. Our mission, our mission is to share what we know. You don't have to answer every Bible question. I don't know is a good answer if it's the truth. All you have to share is what you do know. Share what God has done in your life and is doing in your life. Share with, <clears throat> with those that would dare to listen to you. The story that God is working out, that he dared to meet you right where you are, and he dared to not leave you there. Luke 2 says, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to whom 
his favor rest. When the angels had left them and gone into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been, to what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. That was it. They didn't have all the answers. They didn't say, how is this child going to make a difference at all? They didn't have any of that. They simply said, some angels showed up, which is pretty cool. And they told us that this baby was going to be in a feed trough, and we went, and there he was in a feed trough, and this is what's been talked about, that he's going to be a savior, and we're just telling you that. What you do with that after that is your own, but we are not going to keep it quiet. Mark 16, 15. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. The church has a lot of great things to do and to offer. The church big and church individual groups of believers. But if we ever get off of our core central mission, that we recognize that God made a way where there was no way. And now we know the way. Our role is to simply point to that. Our bottom line, if you know the way, show the way. That's it. If you're convinced that Jesus is the way, if you're not yet, then there's no responsibility there. But if you're convinced that Jesus is the way and you've placed your faith in him, then there's this now this place of responsibility to show the way. To let, the, <clears throat> to let others know that this Christmas season, we are going to celebrate that Jesus is the way. He's the way home. Nobody has to be left out. Nobody. There's plenty of room in the house of God for everyone. He was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself. And all we have to do is believe. Changes everything. I want to create a quiet moment. If you're here this morning and you say, Brandon, I get it now. I see it. I always thought Christianity was about all of these things I had to do and had to quit doing. And now I see it. I know that that's not it at all. I see it's what Jesus did for me. And I choose to believe it and allow him to begin to work in my life and change me from the inside out. I believe that. I believe that, and I want today to declare that my faith is in Christ, that he's made me right with God. If that's you today, I want you to just slip your hand up. What an amazing gift. God gave himself to you, and he just wants you to give yourself to him. If that's you, just raise your hand. Everyone came. Awesome. Awesome. Believers, I ask you to just lift your voice with these. You've stepped over from death to life by simply believing it. I'm going to lend you some words. You confess it with your mouth. And say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus. That you love me so much. That Jesus made a way.
where there was no way. I recognize that without him, I was lost. There was nothing I can do to make myself right with you. So Jesus did it all. His death covers my death. And his life is now my life. Today I am your child. I'm a new creation. And you're going to change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. I want you to just stand up. If that was you today, I would love for you to get with some of our prayer team. We've got the Hernandezes here and the Lahones here. If anybody needs prayer for anything at all, please don't go out of here heavy hearted. Grab one of the <coughs> prayer team or just grab somebody near you that you trust and just ask them to pray with you right there in your seat. So I'm going to pray for all of us as we go out of here. Thank you for worshiping today. And Merry Christmas to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, that was displayed and poured out for us, Heavenly Father. Lord, that Jesus, Lord, was sent clearly with a mission to seek and save that which are lost, Heavenly Father. We're going to be open-minded and open-hearted, Heavenly Father. Lord, to those that you put, Lord, in our lives. Lord, those that we think are the furthest away, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be softened, Heavenly Father, Lord, and we would be willing to to be your hands and feet and step into their worlds, Heavenly Father. Lord, those of us who understand what you've done and who you are, Lord, we would dare to be willing to open our mouths, Lord, and just share what we know. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that you go with us because you are Emmanuel, God with us. We pray blessings on us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Merry Christmas. Her entire library. Uh oh. Paramore today, okay. I can fix that. Uh -oh. I don't know anything about it.